Thanks for listening. Join us now for Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. When hope is crushed, the heart is crushed. That's Proverbs 13, 12. Maybe there's been something you've been praying for, hoping for, trusting God for, and so far, all you have is a silent heaven. I can relate. I've been asking God for some direction for the last three months, asking for some clear direction by September 1st. And of course, we are now into September. And since the 1st, I have been more unsure about God's mm-hmm. direction than when I first started praying about it in June. That's so frustrating. Maybe you can relate. I can relate 100%, but that is so frustrating. I'm sorry that's been your experience. Yeah, well, th- thanks. I appreciate it. It's it's life, right? Yeah. We don't get what we want when we want it. When hope is crushed, the heart is crushed. The NIV translation says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. That might sound a little more familiar. Mm-hmm. From the 1st of September, I have been a, in a funk, in a cloud. I had a nice time off, but part of it has been since the 1st of September, expecting that answer. So in this funk, not, not able to see my hand in front of me. The fog has been so thick. But God has been with me, Mm -hmm. and God is with you. When we don't know what the next step is, and when we've been asking and asking and asking, and he hasn't answered, yes, when hope is crushed, our heart is crushed, and yet the Lord is still with you Mm -hmm. in that. As Paul said somewhere in one of his letters, I'm perplexed, but not in despair. Yeah. So so what do you... What do you do with that? You know, as far as like wanting clarity, not getting clarity, and here we are. Do you just keep praying and waiting or what do you do with that? Sometimes like, let's see, it was yesterday, it was Wednesday, Tuesday, you sit, you, you go through a day in a funk mm-hmm. and just say, Lord, you know, and I hung out with, with my son Taylor and he shared some good things to me, but there's not a silver bullet, Yeah, you know? So yesterday at about two, I sat down in my sunroom on my glider rocker in my sweet spot. And I just said, Lord, where do you want my thoughts to go? And he brought some scripture to mind from Hebrews. And I just chewed on that, Mm -hmm. thought about that. Then I opened my eyes and it was like the fog just lifted. And I could see clearly with the eyes of faith. And it was the peace that surpasses circumstance. Mm that just settled on me and faith filled my heart that it's going to be okay. And Perry, you can take the next step. So not everything is resolved. I didn't get the blueprint. Yeah. But I tell you what, when you have God's peace, that sense of it's going to be okay. And when you have God saying, it's okay to take the next step, that's really all you need. And what was I expecting? I mean, I know God does not. I've learned this. God does not give the blueprint. Right. And I was expecting that blueprint on September 1st. And he just taught me once again, just take the next step. It's going to be okay. So I so, oh my goodness. I so, I'm so sorry for what you've walked through because I know this story so well. <laughs> I've lived this story of wanting the answers from God. and But I had such a similar experience this summer with just like, 
I was going to wrestle with God and we were going to get the answers, you know, and I just was needed answers. And I needed clarity. And what he brought me to was actually what you need is me. Mm. Yeah. And there was, for me, that's where the peace came when I was like, oh, okay. I don't need to know all the things. I don't need the roadmap. I don't need the blueprint. I just need you. So I'm going to position myself near you. I want to lay my head on your chest. I want to hear your heartbeat and I'll just respond real time, you know, but not, not be so frantic to try to figure it all out. Yeah. I definitely was there. Yeah. And lesson learned once again, and I was sharing with my son Taylor. Well, I, I learned that when you can't see very far ahead, go as far ahead as you can see. And I've learned that before. You've learned that and even given it a melody. Right. So, <laughs> When hope is crushed, the heart is crushed. Mm. Proverbs 13, 12. But there's a second part of that verse. But desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Who's the tree of life? Mm. The Lord himself. Can I confess something really quick with that? Does that fit in the window of really bringing it? Sure, okay. sure. Well, uh, it'll depend on what you confess. I am really, really food-driven. Like, I love me some good food. Food-driven. Food-driven. Like, a homemade cinnamon roll. Like, I could eat a cinnamon roll the size of my head. Just a big old gooey <laughs> cinnamon roll. I just had this picture of your head being a cinnamon roll. Wouldn't that be amazing? Quite, quite like hilarious. Like, super dense, just like ridiculous amounts of brown sugar and butter all over that thing. Yeah. Love it. I could dive into a pool of Mountain Dew. Really? You're a Mountain Dew drinker? Yeah. yeah. That surprises me. Well, I don't drink it now that much, but that that it's the drink of youth. It is. Yeah. My son drinks tons of it when his wife is not around. <laughs> when he's at our house and Bree is traveling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I could also, I love, I love lobster tail. I love lobster tail. I love crab legs. I love, oh man, that rich food with the, the garlic and the butter. That is just so good. What would you say is your favorite meal? Gosh, Cheez-Its. <laughs> That's not a meal. <laughs> That's so sad. Ben's like, put my mic on. I have something I have to say. Cheez-Its, Perry? Yeah. That's yeah, a right? meal? Well, you know, you, you could can do so have, much better. You can have, re- you, on your plate, you can have reduced fat Cheez-Its and then regular Cheez-Its and then hot and spicy Cheez-Its. This is your favorite meal. These are your food groups. <laughs> wow. Cheez-It food groups. Interesting. I'm not sure how to transition from that one. You know, uh, I can't, you can't lose with a burger. I love a great burger. Mm. We went out to eat in Ohio, this really nice restaurant. It was like on a golf course, except it wasn't a golf course, but it was out in the woods and there was lots of green grass. And we sat outside, visited with my my brother Dan and his bride Jen and, and just had a great time. And they had this burger that was, wow. This was a higher end you know, not high, yeah. high end, but a higher end restaurant that brought it with the burgers. You <laughs> right. can't lose. All right. What did you have on the burger? What was so good about it? Well, just what just, makes a good burger for you, Perry? Just a lot of meat. Just, 
Just that meat that'll go mm. down and sit in your stomach and make you feel like you were raised right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is not how it sits in my stomach. It sits in my stomach for far too long, making me miserable and uncomfortable. Well, but that's you need, another that's story. That's why you have to eat a lean piece of burger. Yeah. Anywho, favorite meal? I, you know, there's no, always nothing wrong with a good pizza. Love a oh, good yeah. pizza. Oh, yeah. pizza. Can't go wrong. Okay. Love a good pizza. So I heard something really cool over the weekend. I was praying together with, um, we had communion on Sunday and that we were, were split up into teams to pray. And, and my prayer partner said something really, really cool. She was talking about how the reality of reading our Bibles, like communing with Jesus, all of it is like eating food. So she, I asked her where she got this from and it was from a post and she shared the post with me. And so I just want to pass it on and share it with you. Not every meal that you eat is memorable. And that doesn't mean that it didn't nourish you. And I think sometimes we as believers, we've got this almost romanticized view of what every moment of scripture reading should feel like. I should have the goosebumps every single time for it to be valuable. I understand encounters with God. I love them. God made us to experience him and to feel him. So I'm not at all undermining that. But sometimes you just eat breakfast because you need strength for the day. Sometimes it's just a bowl of cereal. You know what I'm saying? You just getting something in you to get you through to the next meal. And it's not about whether it was the most delicious meal you think you've ever had. It still nourishes your body. And I think it's important for us to have that view of scripture as well. Sometimes you're going to sit down and you're going to eat, and it's going to be one of those meals that you remember for years. And it's something that you savor again and again and again. And sometimes you're going to sit down and eat, and it might not feel like it's groundbreaking at all. You know, what you read that morning? But it will nourish your body, and it will nourish your spirit. Here's the thing. If I always had an amazing experience with God's presence every time, you know, I got away to be quiet and to read his word, I, I wouldn't need faith. I wouldn't need to have faith. Right. I, because to experience God's presence is really to experience heaven, mm-hmm. what heaven's going to be like. It's a taste of heaven. And in those moments, I love it. It's a gift when God just opens the gates, you know, opens the door, gives you a window, whatever, however you want to put it. I love those moments. Yep. I don't have any doubts in those moments. Everything's going to be okay. <laughs> I know where the story's going. Right. I know that I'm going to make it through everything. I, I don't need faith in those moments. And, you know, Paul said something like, you know, while we are at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. We're not with him. Mm-hmm. We need faith, which which usually doesn't require feelings. Right. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. There you go. Hebrews 11, 6. I think that, I think that the times, I think that seeking and wanting to have that experience, having goosebumps every single time you sit down to read God's word, I don't think it's a bad thing because it, what it really comes down to is a longing for God, show me that you're real. Show me that you're here. I want to experience you. And I don't think that that hunger for him is a bad thing at all. But if you spend time with the Lord, you walk in with an expectation and you want all the goosebumps and you want all the feels and you feel like you just read something and it was just <laughs> you know, just not super tasty, just kind of like, maybe it just tasted like, you know, bland oatmeal or something. That was liver. <laughs> you know, and you're just like, you're like, liver, man, Lord. that was kind of disappointing. Don't be disappointed because God is nourishing you in that moment. He knows when you need liver. 
He knows when you need oatmeal. He knows when you need liver. And yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying about, about faith and our, you know, faith is what shows up when we don't have all the feels, but I think that it's good to just acknowledge that God is meeting us in all of those places. He's not, you're not walking away with nothing ever. This is my real life experience. Yeah. Most of the time, it's not, oh. <laughs> right. Every now and then, you know, you sit down with the Lord and you get to dive into a cinnamon roll the size of your head. You get to dive into a pool of Mountain Dew. Yeah. Glory be. Yeah. It's a good thing. You know, but on the days when you've met with the Lord and you feel like you're, you're walking away with, you know, you just had yourself a good solid bowl of oatmeal. Thank him for what he's done for you. Thank him for meeting you in that space and for nourishing you, for giving you strength for the day and walk away knowing that you have received from the Lord. You have what you need. I have a healthy fear of sin. There are addiction kinds of sins that I could so easily fall into and that could so easily take me out. I know myself, it would be a smooth on-ramp to become addicted to pornography. And I find myself praying, Lord, protect me from Mm -hmm. that. But I think there's a sin that's even more dangerous than the sins we may fear most. It's unbelief. It's giving up on Christ. It's becoming so discouraged that you just tap out on following Jesus. It's deconstructing my faith so much that there's nothing left. It's quitting on Jesus, not believing that he really is the Savior, that he really is who he says he is. I have been fascinated and challenged and encouraged by the book of Hebrews all my life. It's written to Jewish believers in Jesus, first century, who are being tempted because of persecution to go back to Judaism, Mm -hmm. to leave Jesus, to go back to the temple, to go back to the sacrifices, to all the ceremonies, because it was getting so hard. And so the whole book of Hebrews is a call to hold on to Jesus, who is the temple to end all temples, and the sacrifice to end all sacrifices, and the priest to end all priests. And we hear one of those challenges to hold on in Hebrews 3, 12 to 14. And by the way, when you look at Hebrews in this way, it it puts the warnings that are in Hebrews. There's some really strong warnings in Hebrews that might make you feel like you can lose your salvation. But when you read Hebrews in the right way, those warnings make a lot of sense. The warnings also are to say, hold on to Jesus, mm. essentially. So anyway, Hebrews 3, 12 to 14. See to it that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Sin is deceitful. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly to the end the confidence we had at first. Mm -hmm. The first thing that grips me is verse 12. See to it. See, we have a... We have a part to play. See to it that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. This would be in my heart deciding I'm not going to trust Jesus anymore or that I've been convinced somehow by something I've read that 
the New Testament isn't trustworthy, that Jesus really isn't who he says he is, that this was just made up in the second century, or maybe it's just, maybe it is persecution, or maybe it's circumstances, or maybe it's disappointment with God. Yeah. Or there's just a lot of things that can cause us to to wonder, is it really real? I have those thoughts. Did all this stuff really happen? And we can take those thoughts and those doubts, and we can bring them to God and bring them to trusted friends, or we can just go down a really dark hole. And we can even, you know, sin is deceitful. And so see that you don't have a sinful, unbelieving heart. Like sin will say, sin will say you're too sinful. You messed it up too much. You, you call yourself a follower of Jesus. You should just, you should tap out because you're just, you're just a mess. You know, even sin itself will try to get us to disbelief. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm thinking about social media right now and how there are algorithms to what we look at on, on the internet, right? So the minute we show an interest in a certain thing, that thing comes at us like, like wildfire, right? Like we can't get away from that thing. And so what we begin to look at is fed. And we do this to ourselves sometimes, I think, when we have doubts. If we start to have a doubt, then we dive deep into that rabbit hole, right, of doubt. It is okay to have doubts. It's okay to have doubts. But I, but I think, you know, what is being said here is see to it that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God says to me that when those doubts show up, it matters where you go. Yes. It matters what you do with those doubts. Yeah. Yeah, bring, we're, we're held accountable for that. Bring them to trusted people. Bring them to Jesus. They can make your faith stronger. But here's the remedy for, of see to it that you don't have a sinful, unbelieving heart. Verse 13, encourage one another daily. What do, how do we encourage one another? We encourage one another with the gospel. And, you know, later in Hebrews, it will say, don't give up meeting together. Mm. That's what they were doing. They were going back to the temple. They weren't meeting together. They weren't preaching the gospel to each other. And so this is so relevant. We need to be together with God's people. We need to be preaching the gospel to each other. We need to be singing the gospel. We need to be hearing the gospel shared with us from our teachers. And we need that in community. We need it together. And so many, I don't know so many, I don't know the numbers, but people have tapped out of meeting together. Right. You know, it's easier to watch online or, you know, maybe I just, I don't really need faith, faith community. And when you're not in a place where the gospel is being shared, you're not singing it, you're not hearing it from each other, you're not believing it together, you're not hearing it, it it will cause a drift. It will cause a major drift. And that's why, you know, if you've tapped out for some reason, come back, man, start meeting up. Yeah. together with God's people and that again. Can, you know, that can happen on Sunday morning as we worship together. That can happen midweek, participating in a Bible study, um, getting together with a small group. There are a lot of ways that we can be involved in gathering together and being encouraged together. I tell you what, the send happened over the weekend. I know the send isn't something that's going to happen every Saturday for 10 hours, 
But the people who were there, the 10,000 people that showed up and filled Van Andel on Saturday, they were encouraged by one another. Yes. To live boldly for Christ. To I mean, it was really, it was an assault against inactivity in Christianity. Mm. And when we gather together, we are the temple. And the temple of God is where heaven and earth meets. So when we gather with God's people, that's where heaven is. Yeah. That's a spiritual, mystical, mysterious thing, but it's real. So anyway, all that to say, we got to be together, encouraging each other in the gospel. And then finally, we see in verse 14, the true follower of Jesus is one who continues to the end. Yeah. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly to the end the confidence we had at first. I find it striking that it doesn't say, if we hold firmly to the end the fact that we are becoming more and more righteous. Now, that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. It's a good thing to become more and more righteous. You know, make sure you become more and more righteous. No, it's saying, if we hold firmly to the end, the confidence we had at first, what was the confidence we had at first? That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that he lived the perfect life that we can never live. He died the death we deserve. He rose again to bring us into the Father's embrace. And when we trust him, he forgives us of 100% of our sins. He counts Jesus' righteous life as our own. And the Father looks at us as if we've done everything good that Jesus has done. And he gives us the Holy Spirit. And it gets even better than that. And so this is what we hold on to. It's the confidence we had at first. And so... It's a, it's a call, again, to come back to the gospel and to not let it go when you're tempted to let it go. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful that it says, and don't hold firmly to walking this out perfectly. Yes. Don't hold firmly to being flawless in your pursuit of Jesus. Yes. It's just, don't it. hold Don't hold firmly to never having a doubt as you walk this out. That's right. not what it says. Yeah. It's come back to Jesus, the cross, who he is, what he's done. It's not about sinless perfection. Listen, it's not about sinless perfection. It's about holding on to Christ. And by the way, he's holding on to you. Well, if you have an Instagram account or a Facebook account, you've probably seen the this or that posts. You know, you have to pick. Like there's two options. You have to pick this or that. And Ben shared one with me the other day that I thought was really good. And I thought, ooh, let's talk about that on the air. That'll be fun. So here it is. This or that. You have to choose one or the other. $10 billion today or speak with Jesus for one minute. Now don't just think it through. You know, you don't go with the 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 Bible answer. You don't have to say Jesus. You can think it through. But I'd love to hear from you this morning what you would go with. $10 billion today. Or speak with Jesus. So let's break it down a little bit. Ten billion dollars. Mm-hmm. It's pretty tempting. How about during my time with Jesus, I asked, "Can you give me ten billion dollars?" There you go. <laughs> Problem solved. Ask and you shall receive. There you go. But what would you do with the ten billion dollars? What could you do with ten billion dollars? Have you ever thought about that? No. You could no, buy I the haven't. White House, and you'd have plenty left over. Oh yeah. For the White sure. House is like four hundred and sixty-three million two hundred and twelve thousand yeah, six hundred. You would have most of it left over. Yeah. 
Yeah. You could buy a private island. The Blue Island in the Bahamas is up for grabs right now. Mm. It includes a jet airstrip, main living, staff houses, four miles of roads and power and water and communications and hookups. And it's only $75 million. Yeah. Only. only. Well, $10 billion is a lot. It's a lot. You could buy a super yacht. The Azam 590-foot luxury yacht is only $600 million. Just $600 million. That's it. You still got... Nine billion four hundred million left. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Or one minute with Jesus. Mm-hmm. What would you pick? Yeah, one minute with Jesus, of course. And how would I spend my minute? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. How would you spend your minute? I would just want to worship Him and see His glory, because you know Jesus is the most beautiful. He's the uncreated creator who became flesh, but the glory, meaning his beauty, everything he is, you know, would be just such a, it would be life itself. Mm. It is life itself when we worship Jesus and when we don't see him, but imagine seeing him. It says, you know, John says, when we see him, we will be like him. It transforms us. I would also ask him because he could do a lot in a minute and just give me a quick, give me a quick film of your ministry on earth, the high points, hmm. and just go through everything that happened. I want to see how it happened. And he hmm. could show me, you know, because the highlight reel, a thousand years is like one day to a Lord, to the Lord. Right. So he can stretch out a minute. <laughs> so a highlight, a highlight reel. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. What about you, Ben? Well, I, I do want to stress there is no wrong answer here. Mm-hmm. You know, ten billion would you know take care of a lot of people's financial troubles. You have the opportunity to donate to your favorite charities or your church. So there's no wrong answer. Moody here. Radio, Moody Radio, of course. <laughs> Share is coming up. I'm sure you've heard. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the one minute with Jesus is what I would select. What I would talk to him about. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. That's the hardest part about this question is yeah. you you have one minute. Goes by quick. What are you going to do? Remember, he's the Lord. He can stretch a minute to make it feel like a lot longer. Oh, sure. So, well, maybe we could figure out what Ben should talk to Jesus about. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the thing. My answer to the question, I want the minute with Jesus. And I think think that I would want to tell him thank you for saving me. And I would want to tell him that I love him. Those are the things that I would think I would want to have happen. But I'm almost, I almost have this feeling like that would all transpire without any words. Like, like our hearts would know each other so well that he, I wouldn't even have to say that for him to understand it. And so, yeah, I don't even want to, I don't even want to prescribe the minute. I just want it to be whatever he wants it to be. I think he would speak into our lives we would expect to fall down and worship and we would, but I think that he would speak into our lives and he would, he would, he would call out the, the, the beautiful things that he's done in us mm. and what he sees in us. I think he would do that. Anyway, anyway, he wants to spend it. I'm good with it. <laughs> if I can get a minute with Jesus. It has the power to heal you when you've been forsaken, forgotten, and abandoned. 
It has the power to lift the weight of shame off your heart and relieve your conscience from the guilt that cripples. It will give you the power to forgive those who have scarred you and even greatly abused you. It will release you to fight injustice without the need to take vengeance. And it will compel you to share what you've freely received. I'm talking about the love of God. I'm talking about the good news of God's grace, the power of the gospel to transform us from inside out. It's not outside in. It's inside out. Mm -hmm. That's what the gospel does. Frederick Douglass was born into slavery in 1817, but escaped his slave owner to become the great American social reformer, abolitionist, speaker, writer, and United States ambassador, among other great accomplishments. But before he escaped the brutal cruelty of slavery, he encountered Jesus. This is his words. I was not more than 13 years old when in my loneliness and destitution, I longed for someone to whom I could go as to a father and protector. The preaching of a white Methodist minister named Hansen was the means of causing me to feel that in God I had such a friend. He thought that all men, great and small, bond and free, were sinners in the sight of God, and that they were by nature rebels against his government, and that they must repent of their sins and be reconciled to God through Christ. These are Douglas's words again. I cannot say that I had a very distinct notion of what was required of me, but one thing I did know well, I was wretched and had no means of making myself otherwise. I consulted a good old colored man named Charles Lawson, and in tones of holy affection, he told me to pray and to cast all my care upon God. This I sought to do, and though for weeks I was poor, brokenhearted, and mourning, Traveling through doubts and fears, I finally found my burden lightened and my heart relieved. I loved all mankind, slaveholder, slaveholders not accepted, mm-hmm. though I abhorred slavery more than ever. I saw the world in a new light, and my great concern was to have everybody converted. The words of the great Stephen Douglas. And it just, it grips me because... It just shows the power of the gospel. Frederick Douglass could have grown up to be just a, a bitter, bitter man. Yeah. But he became he, he, he became the person that God created him to be, even in the face of being born into slavery. And it just, you know, it, it makes me think about Paul. And, you know, there was a, a slave owner named, I think... Philemon. Philemon was the slave owner. There's a, there's a book. Philemon and his slave Onesimus had escaped and somehow run into Paul. And Paul shared the gospel with Onesimus, the slave, and he was saved. And so then Paul wrote Philemon and said, hey, I, he, he knew Philemon. Hey, I happened to come across Onesimus and I know he's your slave, but he's a believer now. And I want you to accept him back into the family as a brother. Mm. Now, he didn't say stop the slavery, but he put 
this this was radical for the times. Mm-hmm. He put Anisimus at the same level yep. as Philemon. And so it was the seed that would transform slavery. I love this. The, the, that would that would ruin slavery, that would yeah. you know, work from the inside out. Yeah. Um so great. Yeah, just that's what the story reminds me of as well. Well, the gospel levels the playing field. And I think we create these caste systems to make ourselves feel better about ourselves, which makes yeah, me think of, you exactly know, exactly right. It makes me think of the 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 dude who was, you know, praying in the temple and and praying, "Oh, Lord, thank you that you didn't make me like that guy right there, right, you know, the Pharisee and, and the tax collector. Yeah. And, you know, the Lord said that it was the tax collector, the one who said, oh, God, I'm a sinner, you know, and, and just fell at his fell on his knees. He was the one that the Lord said would walk away free, would walk away changed yeah, yeah. and different. And we make these I do. I think we make these caste systems in our mind today, even today in America. We've got this I'm better than so-and-so because mentality to somehow make us feel like maybe we're just a little bit closer to heaven. Mm. And the gospel just levels the playing field. When we look at God rightly for who he is, we are so keenly aware of who we actually are and that there is no us in them. Loved, humbled, and loved. That's what the gospel does for us. And so, man, we need to be sharing the gospel. And just, I love Ron Hutchcraft. He's, he's got a show called A Word With You on Moody Radio. His three open prayer, Lord, open a heart, mm-hmm. open a door, open my mouth. Because, Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes So, Lord, open a door, open a heart, open my mouth today. Thanks for listening to Barry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.